0: I'm Dan Clark, and this is I Am Teacher. And we're back! It's been a minute, as the kids say, since I've last spoken to you. I had some other activities going on. I participated in the fall musical here at St. Peter High School in St. Peter, Minnesota. I was lucky to be playing the role of Doc in West Side Story. Had a great time, such a great group of kids, a great play, executed tremendously, all around an amazing experience. So that took up a lot of my time. I also am Coaching two winter activities, the Knowledge Bowl here and Mock Trial. So podcast activities have kind of taken a back seat for the past month or so. So maybe the bi-weekly release date is a little bit of a high bar for me. So we'll just play it by ear. My goal is to get to 100 episodes by the start of the next school year. And this is episode 5, which is usually the death mark of many young podcasts. So, hopefully I can keep this thing floating along. I'm going to have more interviews with teachers. Maybe we'll expand to some other occupations. There will definitely be some solo podcasts, but I'm happy to be in this recording studio once again. So, today I talk with Gina Lilienthal, ag science educator extraordinaire here at St. Peter High School. I never took any ag education classes when I was in high school. But of course, as you grow older, there are things that you wish you would have done. And this is definitely one of those things. There are some alarming statistics that Gina brings up, or at least she brings up one. But there are a few more that I found that should help you realize just how important it is to be aware of some of the different issues regarding agriculture. So for every one farm that exists, they feed on average 165 people per year. Uh, Only 2% of the U.S. population are farmers. And of that 2%, 257,000 of them, and some change, 257,000 454 of them are actually under the age of 34. The average age, however, of a farmer is a little higher. I don't have the U.S. number, but I know in Canada the average age is 65. And the most alarming one that I see is that by the year 2050, the world's population is supposed to hit 9.7 billion. And based on that number the amount of crops that will need to be produced to feed those people is 70% more than what farmers are currently producing. So, I feel like the movie Interstellar was not too far off when in the future the smart and gifted people became farmers because that was what the world needed. Instead of becoming astronauts, they became the people who grew our food and butchered our livestock and I think we're not too far from that point. I think that as humans have moved to more urban landscapes and out of the rural areas there is a lack of understanding of where our food comes from. If you're one of those people that either goes hunting or has a garden or shops at a farmer's market that's the way to go I would say but if you're not try and entertain some of those ideas. Because the more connected you are to the actual process of growing food or harvesting meat, you are more aware of where it comes from, who's making it, and what's good for you. So we touch on some of those themes in our conversation. I've known Gina for around five years. This conversation we had is probably the longest I've ever talked to her. So let's have a listen. Here is episode 5 of I Am Teacher with Gina Lilienthal. Enjoy it. Okay. It's not like how you run Parliament.
1: Um, well, it would be the actual rule of how you would conduct business in that sort of formal we'll setting.
0: Is, like, is it like one of those books that's a must-read for...
1: No, it's not like a... It's not a book you sit down and read. It's a book you sit down and have if you are stuck in a formal meeting setting and you don't know how to proceed.
0: So what are the principles of it? Like what? Like what are the rules of parliamentary procedure? Must you say gentleman (laughs) and lady all the time? No,
1: no, no. It's like if you're in a meeting and you have a formal agenda and you have to make a motion and second that motion and then have discussion about the motion... And then clarification about the motion, or to make an amendment. So there are rules on how you do all of that in a formal setting.
0: Is it, I'm guessing it's based off of like how parliament would run, right? Because that, thats amendments, so. and is that was that for like FFA or is that? Yeah, we
1: use it in our meetings, and I teach some of it in class. So that way, if students come to a formal meeting, or they're part of an organization that has formal meetings, you. They can be like, hey, you
0: guys, nobody seconded that motion.
1: Right. Or like... Get with the program. Like, yeah. Like, what's... I Just like for anything, when you have formal rules for how something should run, it works easier and faster, and you can get through business in a more organized fashion.
0: So yeah. I'm sure, yeah, we've all been a part of meetings where there wasn't a formal procedure. <laughs> right. And it doesn't... Yeah. Do it usually kind of well. just goes off there. the rails really quickly. Um, You're
2: secretly
1: recording us under the table, aren't you? (laughs) I had to find a
0: way to not have the computer right next to the microphone because it picks up all of the machine noise. I don't even know what, like how it actually makes noise, but I feel like there's gears turning, but there's probably not, but it makes noise and it picks it up. So we've been recording since you walked in. Okay. Yeah, and that's the best way to have, like, a smooth transition in instead of... Parliamentary
1: procedure. <laughs>
0: instead of being... Yeah, because then when we come in, people start... We start talking about stuff, and it's already well, super hey. interesting. Like, I, le- I think parliamentary procedure is very interesting, because I teach political science sometimes, yeah. and I know senators talk about how the rules of that specific body make it helpful to the process. Like you have to recognize someone to speak for a certain amount of time and you have to address them as the gentleman from this district or this state. And I yield this person this much time. And Mm -hmm. like it gives, it gives it structure so that it doesn't seem so personal when they're debating super Mm -hmm. contentious issues, right? Like that's the idea behind it. It's
1: just to have people in a meeting setting that makes it easy but now not only just makes it easy to follow the agenda but it ensures all the voices are heard so you just don't make a decision with the president a lot of people don't realize if you're in a setting where you're using parliamentary procedure usually your your board doesn't isn't allowed to make those decisions it's whoever those voting members are so
0: cool well welcome yeah, thank to, you. The, to the <laughs> recording studio I got some foam up and...
1: I am very jealous. I wish my classroom looked like this. I could use some foam on the walls.
0: Yeah. I'm sure your walls are pretty big. Yes. And they're very high.
1: And there's just a lot of echo. But Mr. Peterson is working on some solutions for us. So I'm excited about that.
0: I saw him. Yeah, he made some kind of homemade uh, acoustic panels. Mm -hmm. I feel like you just need some... You need like a giant thing just hanging down. That's what we're making. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: That's what he's doing. He's oh, making great. a yeah uh, another sunken ceiling, a cloud.
0: Don't you think he should make it in like the form of an animal?
1: He was actually like when we first thought we would have these sort of sound panels in our rooms. He wanted skills all over the walls. So for his area, you know, we have construction, and woodworking and metals and engines. So maybe we'd have pictures of all those, and mine would have animals and plants and um, machinery and things like that. But we're going to be happy with whatever we get. <laughs>
0: yeah, as long as you don't have to hear yourself twice Yes, based off the echo. But yeah, I, I sometimes I rarely even see you during the day because you are off in plant and animal world, which is not in the same section of the building as me.
1: I know. I don't have any excuses all of the time, especially to go in the humanities wing. I go in science sometimes, math and science, but because we're on opposite ends, I don't always have to...
0: So are you? I don't can have are a you? Reason. Can I don't always yeah, make know. it into
1: all the wi- into all the wings.
0: And do you feel? Do you? Does that make you feel isolated?
1: Not so much, but sometimes we're really close to the lunch room. So <laughs> those that come down for lunch, we get to see
0: just glimpses. Yeah. So are you a science teacher? I'm not even.
1: I am a licensed agriculture education instructor, but within that license, we're allowed to teach content that gets science credit. Um, Also, actually, math and art credit, but I don't have any courses here that that I could use for math or art credit. Here in Minnesota, I have to show that my courses are crosswalked with science standards, and I actually use a national curriculum that has already been crosswalked, so I don't have to go through all the work of sitting down and matching my standards from science to agriculture and showing which ones are science and Which ones would be more technical based. So um, if I can prove those standards and then administration and the school board approve those, then we can use those as science credit.
0: But you could teach an art class.
1: The one art class that would count would be floral design. Whoa,
2: that's it? Because they
1: have to learn about colors and patterns and arrangements and textures and how to make those fit in a floral arrangement. And so there are other agriculture teachers that'll teach floral design.
0: So what and would like what would what would that look like? You would make a bunch of like wreaths or something, yeah, or, re- or
1: arrangements that you might use at a wedding okay. or at a funeral, and how to use that as an art form.
0: So since I asked you to to be on here and talk with me, I was mm-hmm. thinking about how I I don't think I ever took an ag or an agricultural education course, mm-hmm. um, and I'm wondering. Are there, are there like groups of kids that you don't even know because they never pass through your classroom?
1: That's why I really wish I had a middle school um, section so that either Mr. Reeser or myself. Mr. Reeser is also a licensed agriculture education teacher, even though his emphasis is in welding and small engines. But between the two of us, we would really like to have access to middle schools at some point so that they would have access to us without knowing ahead of time what we're all about. So that, cause that's what we do now if they sign up for the elective and we can, you know, touch base with them somewhere along their path, like, Hey, you should really consider this or
0: it'd be great if it like they could require agricultural education.
1: Some of them, some schools do, most high schools do not, but then they do have mandatory middle school.
0: Okay, so everyone in the middle school has to take like mm-hmm. an AG, an intro to AG, ed, or something like that, right. or like they would probably call yeah. it something more. Just
1: like most of your exciting. middle schools, I'll say you have to have an intro to foreign language, or you have to have an intro to all the rest of the CTE areas. Actually, have intros. It'd be really nice if we had one for, for us.
0: I mean, I don't know what the numbers are like, but I think I've heard whispers of, the lack of farmers in the younger generation? Yes. Is that correct?
1: It's under, well, first off, the actual numbers of people in the the United States that actually produce food for us, it's under 2%. So uh, the statistics in my curriculum say 2%, but I know in the last few years it's dropped even less than that. So only 2% of our whole world produces fruits, vegetables, corn, soybeans, hogs, whatever it may be. But then of that, I don't know off the top of my head what percent is a baby boomer and older, but it's significant.
0: So um, what happens it, when like that number dips too low? Do we just like start starving to death or what happens?
2: <laughs> well, like,
1: those who are younger are just going to get bigger. That's just what keeps happening all over the place is, those that can afford it and are able to survive, their farms just keep getting bigger and taking up more acres. Or we find more niche markets, like in our area. We've got a lot of individuals who have smaller gardens that are making profits off of those. or
0: Like what do they unique, grow, tomatoes or something?
1: Yeah, tomatoes, uh, herbs, leafy vegetables.
0: And, then, and they'll sell to like grocery the food stores. the co-op, yeah. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. or Gustavus or there's a hub in Mankato they sell to and it gets distributed out. So, But you're right, as we have more and more people exiting out of agriculture and it isn't just actual food production, it's agribusiness because actually 45% of our total economy in the Midwest is, has jobs within agribusiness. And maybe it's more here, I'm, I don't know our exact local numbers, but my curriculum that I have right now has it broken down into two percent for farming and 45% overall So 45 would be like your agricultural bankers and your um, agronomists and your nutritionists and veterina- like veterinarian service technicians all of those kinds of things And we always need people in those areas
0: And that that's why I think that it would be great if you could make it some sort of mandatory, course because Mm -hmm. I'll come down or else I'll be coming back from a field trip and I'll see some of your students like we'll just be getting back from like planting a field Mm -hmm. and I'll be like oh man what you just planted a field in school Mm -hmm. that's so cool
1: (laughs) I I really love working here because of the awesome resources we do have so we have our greenhouse and we've got a school garden at the fairgrounds and then we have uh, up just a couple blocks north of our high school, we have our farm field. And then we're working on an orchard that will go in this spring. So having all of that experience, I think, is really amazing for a school district to have.
0: And I, I feel like a lot of the kids, even though we're li- we live in a rural area, have no connection to any of that.
1: Very few of my students actually come from production backgrounds. So I, I always have some that are mixed in, and but the majority of my students do not come from production backgrounds. So I don't want my kids to feel like they have to know things before they come in because it's fun to educate them when they don't know. And if they do know, that means they can maybe have projects that they can teach others or they can move up a notch and build on to what they already know.
0: And if they were to realize, I just, I just think it's good to be connected to your food chain I think and know it's, Yeah, I think where it's good stuff.
1: to know where it all comes from.
2: Yeah.
0: And they I don't think they do, right? No. I, and I wish that like maybe this will be the one thing that sets everybody off to say, hey, I should join an egg class. I,
1: I think a lot of people just think, hey, it's it's farming and how is how hard is it to put a seed in the ground and get something to grow?
0: Pretty
2: hard. But,
1: <laughs> but if you've never done it before and you don't understand um, the concepts behind it. Do you think can be,
0: like negative farming stereotypes play into that? Like kids hear like agriculture and they think of farming and they I, think of like I do. cartoons, you know?
1: Yeah, I really do. I do think it, there is a stigma out there of overalls and, and tractors and you just, you get that image in your mind. But part of my job is to say, hey, it's not just that either. Um, we do learn about the production side of it, but... There's so much more if you're going to ag communications or ag law or um, you want to be a technician of some sort, whether that's like with equipment or health. There's a lot of connections back to agriculture and employers. I hear it over and over and over again. I'm on some advisory committees for some larger agricultural education groups and they we're bombarded with businesses who need employers that know something about agriculture. Just last week I was at a meeting, there was 15 businesses there that said, hey, we don't have enough people, whether that's like landscaping and working in horticulture or greenhouse management or animal science or food science and food processing. They all need people who have a basic understanding of where their food comes from and how does it get there.
0: And what, do they have any, any plan for that? Or they just say like, hey, you, Gina,
2: what's up? <laughs> they, get they, them, in, get they, them psyched up they about do it.
1: some of that where they just come through the egg teachers. But we've learned that we can't just rely on the kids coming through my program. Like we need to start branching out into all kinds of different sectors, whether that's unit in social studies, or maybe it's a unit they get in fourth grade, or maybe it's something else that they, we got to keep them thinking about agriculture all the time. And so maybe it's reaching out more to elementary school students and getting them excited about where their food comes from. And then maybe it's bringing them into middle school and they're getting some hands-on experience with a school garden. And then maybe it's in high school, they're actually um, moving food from the greenhouse to the kitchen, like it's looking at the whole spectrum.
0: I've never even entertained that. Like, just now is the first time I think of crossing social studies and agriculture over. But it's funny because they always say that about other classes, you know, they say mm-hmm. crossover English and social studies or science and mm-hmm. social studies. But I. Never even thought of There are lessons
2: where
1: I sit down and I'm a math teacher one day and we're making rations. And there are days when I'm a history teacher and we're learning about what was an agrarian society like and how did that transfer over to what we have today and how did that method change? Or there's times when we're like, I'm more of an English teacher and we're sitting down and working on a lab report. So, but I think there can be crossover in other ways too. And groups like, um... It's called the uh, Minnesota Egg in the Classroom. Do the opposite. So they do. They go to people like you and say, "Hey, I have these really great ideas. I know you have these standards. This is how agriculture can meet your standards."
0: Yeah, and I'm thinking there's a lot with social studies. Mm-hmm. That I mean, geography, especially. But even... I,
1: yeah, I talked about geography today because we were learning about soil. So they they actually have a whole bank of lesson plans, and then they pick and choose teachers and try them out and then they publish them. And Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I, we talked about communism recently and I brought up agricultural case studies where what happened in those societies is they would, take, they would take the top farmers and they would basically kill them and give their land to everybody else so that they could have their own plot of land. And then because they did that, they farmed terribly because they killed all the efficient farmers, and because they farmed terribly, they ended up causing a famine in a country, killing millions of people. Oh my gosh! Um, so yeah, a little bit dark, but it's all connected to agriculture. It's kind of it's it's interesting that I don't know if it's with every teacher, but when you teach a specific topic, you realize or you start to realize how connected it is and you think like, this is everything. Why doesn't everybody learn this? Because it's connected to every facet of life.
1: Instead of thinking of agriculture like overalls and cows and tractors, I think they should think of it more like a cycle of life because we learn about plants and the cycle of life with plants and how does that affect, you know, and and animal science, it's kind of the same thing. It's all about a cycle of life.
0: Do you ever see a a giant shift happening where... There is more students in ag education and it becomes bigger?
1: I think it all comes down to the teacher. That's what I always see in a lot of programs. I've, I have only taught um, here and I did my student teaching at a different school, but I've traveled to lots and lots of different schools. While I was a state FA officer, I was required to go to 30 schools and present to 30 different classrooms for a full day. So, um, I, I was able to see a lot of those and I did a, a lot of other ones besides those 30, a lot of other school visits. So during those visits, the strength of the program and how many students they have and how big their outreach reach was, it all came down to the teacher.
0: Yeah. So how do you even, you just make sure those teachers are super awesome and...
1: Yes. And one thing that's really different, I think, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but i I like being an ag teacher in part because of the people that I work with who are my colleagues in the ag ed world. So I know all 25 teachers that teach in our surrounding schools. I know them really well because we get together quite frequently and we share lesson plan ideas. We host um, contests together. We take our kids to leadership events together. So, like, next week is our National FFA convention. So Mr. Reeser and I are going separate this year, but we're rooming with all of the rest of the teachers and students from our area schools. So you could either get on our region bus and go down with all the other ag teachers. Um, This year, we wanted to spend a little bit more time down there, so um, we're going separate, but we're going to meet all of them. So I think because of the network we have together, it's kind of fun, and it's nice to have people when you're in a bind and you don't know... You know, I don't quite know how this next lesson on animal reproduction is going to go. Can you, you know, help me out? How's it going to work? Or before I taught food science, I went over to Nicollet because I knew that Pat taught food science. So I was like, hey, can I come watch you for a day and tell me how this is going to work out if I try it in St. Peter? It's a fun network to be in.
0: I feel, I've had this conversation with my my dad before about, because he was a teacher for many years. Mm -hmm. And we always talk about how certain personality types tend to fall into certain content areas. Mm-hmm. And with social studies, I don't, I can't say that's the same. I don't have a network of people that I'm comfortable being like, hey, pal, I'm going to come, you know, like check yeah. you out or talk to you. Maybe but it's that's me personally, but. I
1: don't, I really do think it's unique to AGed Ed. I really do. Because we have to spend so much time together hosting um, career development events. And we have to spend so much time together putting leadership events together. Because that's the way our. Our curriculum is organized. Um, the farrowing crate and I, my greenhouse, I needed one, so I called up the teacher in Sibley, East. So I'm like, "Hey, I want to know where to find one of these. Can I find one?"
0: Isn't that kind? Of, but that's also like and reflective and of like a farmer mentality, I, kind of right? Uh, like call on your neighbor yeah, or yeah, because I'm it sure is. that's kind of an idea that
2: mm-hmm. I
0: feel like is what constant throughout like farming communities is mm-hmm. they're they're talking yeah. to each other yes. about you know what. Well, how much rain they got over yeah. there? Or yes. you know what what <laughs> yep. their crop yield was? You know.
1: Yep. Or uh, I had this breakdown. What do you have? Right. Yep.
0: That's kind of cool. I really mm-hmm. wish
1: it's a fun. Everything was like that. it's a fun group to be with. So it's it's different to relate it to our whole school because we all have such different needs in each content area. But if you have your own support network within that content area, it's it's unique and. Yeah, different, I mean that's all on its own. I think
0: that's partly why I want to do this. Yeah, because I mean I don't. I'm sure I'm sat. I've sat down and talked with you in passing, or mm-hmm. maybe for like a few minutes. But yep. I don't think I've ever sat down with you for an hour and just sitting yep. down and talking. And that's yeah. kind. It's kind of. I don't think it's weird. No. But I think it's very helpful to building mm-hmm. some sort of culture of calling on a neighbor to yeah for their opinion. Because now maybe I'll ask maybe, how I yeah. can get a class out in a field or. So when we, Doing something with when we
1: listen to each other's, I haven't listened to your one that just came out, but I listened to the other two and I'm like, oh, I didn't know that about so-and-so Right, so yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah.
0: And I hope, I hope teachers listen to it. I think more, I think more students actually have listened to it. Okay. Which is, I don't know. I mean, hopefully they're listening to it all the way through and getting things out of it, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It, I, maybe it's a generational thing where. They're just, we don't, I mean, adults might not have the time to sit down for an hour and listen to a conversation, but I really hope it it does something.
1: It's nice to have a wide audience and anyone can
0: chime in. So what got you involved in ag ed? What was it just, have you been involved in agriculture your entire life and you just kind of, yes. So where, where did that start?
1: Okay. My little life story. (laughs) Sure. Yeah.
0: Give us a, in a nutshell. what. So I was born and raised
1: on a dairy farm in Wisconsin and grew up doing chores and raising livestock and um, very active in 4-H and uh, showed livestock and hogs and things like that. So very traditional agriculture background. And then I went off to school and I thought I was going to be done with agriculture. I'm like, I've played my role in my family farm and I knew I loved being a part of it and I like working with animals, but I wanted to try something else. So I went to school for journalism and I did it for a year and then my egg teacher called me back and said hey Gina I think you should try this you were a very good student you were really good in FA. you need to start looking at what kind of leadership positions you can do while you're in college. And so he was a great teacher so I said yes I'll do it. So he told me to run for state office and I had no idea what I was getting into. And FFA goes through high school and into college. So we start projects in high school that can continue on and then you can be competitive with them as your career starts in agriculture.
0: What's a a project like?
1: So usually your project is kind of like a glorified record book about whatever interest you're in. So if mine, I was in dairy and I wanted to raise my own pigs. So I kept records of those things. Um, like how many hours I spend working, how many how many animals I bought, what's the size and scope, what's your investment cost, what kind of skills do you have, and then it makes you develop things that are similar to a resume and a balance sheet. Um, it's like a little personal record book of whatever project you're working on. So anyway, my teacher told me I had a really great, great project. I had some good leadership skills. He wanted me to run for state office and I did and so I represented the I don't remember how many thousands of students there are. Where, were in Minnesota and Wisconsin at that time um, and for FFA. And I just did a lot of leadership training through their national organization, and then I came back and shared it. Like I talked earlier, I said I went to 30 different schools and then mm-hmm. shared that information. And so yeah. when you,
0: when you, they say you, you say you ran for. Mm-hmm.
1: You have to be elected. You, so you, 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 did you have campaign to, yeah, there and, well, you, I'm don't. Gina <laughs> you don't get a sign or a billboard or anything like that. You have to submit an application to the state and then you have to go through really intense interviews. There's five different kinds of interviews you do. You have like a personal interview, a resume interview, a group interview. So they'll put you on a team and they see how well you work with a team and evaluate that. Um, a
0: group, in so like like how willing you are to let someone else talk and like how you st- right your way into the conversation. Exactly. Interesting. And so you won that election. Huh?
1: I did. So I served one year as a vice president. And then in Wisconsin, you get to be chosen to run another year if you were successful your first year. So if you did well your first year, your peers from that team could elect you to be president for the next year. It's a really weird system. Most systems aren't like that. Minnesota's not like that, but Wisconsin is. So anyway, I was elected for two years. And after those two years of serving state office, I grew so much. Like, cause you're put on the spot to present in a classroom. You're put on the spot to work with high school teams. You're put on the spot to talk to business professionals about your organization. So,
2: before
0: that, were you how would you describe yourself before that whole process? Um,
1: fairly shy, and I was always a studious person. I I like school, so that's
2: kind of a thing, you know. Like, teachers teachers are usually
1: like a learning type personality,
0: and so so then they just ran me through the gauntlet
1: of talking
0: to people, yes, presenting, Mm -hmm.
1: but it's all about things that.
0: You're passionate about,
1: yeah, you have passion about. So after those two years, it really changed my perspective on what I could do and what the organization can do for students. And so I went and finished a degree actually in agricultural marketing communications and agricultural business because I love the sponsorship side of that job and working with professionals and learning about their business structures and how they can match up with education. And so I went to work for CHS Corporate in Invergrove Heights for a couple of years. I started as an intern and then I just kept working, moved into their foundation. And I really liked it, but I got bored. And then I'm like, you know, maybe I just don't want to sit here all the time.
0: <laughs> Is that pretty common for those jobs? You just end up, being in like a cubicle situation? I
1: was, yep. Um, I don't think it was common in that company because a lot of the people I worked for were, are still there now.
0: And they like their job. So,
1: yeah, they like their job. <laughs> I liked my job too. I think if I wouldn't have, I married my husband. My husband, I don't know if I should admit this on the air, but I will. Um, my husband was a state president in Minnesota when I was state president in Wisconsin. So oh, that, oh, it's so that's like so that's oh, okay. how we met. Yeah. We we actually we actually met in Washington D.C. We were at the same leadership conference at the same time. Do yeah. so you mean, like, under
0: the Washington first, Monument or something our romantic? Our first
1: picture together is in the White House. What? Yes. <laughs> with uh, George Bush.
0: What? Your yeah. your first picture is with yep. the president of the United States? Yep. <laughs> yep. That's pretty wild. Yeah,
1: it's a crazy story. So. I,
0: and so you're worried that the people listening would say, like, what? Wisconsin <laughs> and Minnesota presidents? Well, I don't
1: want you to think of, like, FFA is not really my avenue for meeting significant others. <laughs> right. Well,
0: I mean, it would make sense that, you know, somebody who's interested in, the, in similar things, mm-hmm. you'd yeah. them there. Yep. Um,
1: so I think if I wouldn't have landed in Nicollet County and maybe still had, you know, I'd married someone in the cities, maybe I'd still be at CHS, but, yeah, I got bored, so I went and got my education license, and then I, um, after I got the license, I actually went and got the degree after I was teaching
0: a degree for?
1: For education. Okay.
0: So it was like a program to get a license. A license, yep. Yeah. And so your husband, mm-hmm. you know, this is this is another interesting thing. I don't think I knew this about you for like a couple of years until, mm-hmm. until I worked here. His is a zoologist, correct?
1: He,
0: Or a he, part-time zoologist? Yes. Or what is that? So
1: my family... Here in Minnesota, farms beef cattle and row crops and sometimes vegetables, Um, but he also has a zoo on the side. So um, he has, everyone always asks us how many animals we have, and I've never sat down and counted the number of species, so I can't tell you exactly how many, but I can give you a couple highlights. So he's got um, fox and dingoes, kangaroos, wallabies, camels, Codies, all kinds of birds. We've had ostrich before. We don't have any now, but, um, emus, Rhea, macaws, uh, giant tortoises, lemurs. I'm sure there are things I'm missing. Muntjac deer, white, white tails, fallow deer.
0: What is like the strangest one you think, or like the most bizarre creature Alligators. You you guys have alligators? Mm,
1: Alligators are pretty odd.
0: Are they smaller alligators or are they Um, just? We
1: do have, yeah, they're small at the moment. But I mean, if they get, no, they're American alligators. When they get big, we'll keep them though. Like everyone's like, what are you going to do with an alligator? I'm like, we get a bigger pen. It'll be okay. (laughs) So so how does
0: does that work in Minnesota? Uh,
1: We have different facilities for everything. So some things are fine outside all year round and just need shelter. Other things have to be inside all year round. Some things can be outside, inside. Everything is unique. So we try and be as accommodating as possible for whatever they need.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure it's, it's so different for each animal. Cause I it was is. thinking of a crocodile, or not a crocodile, an alligator, which is mm-hmm. the same family. must And it must, it must be similar that they only they, have to eat like once a warm,
2: yeah, well, it or depends like on the
0: that.
1: temperature. Okay, so the warmer it is, the faster they're going to grow, so they're going to eat more often. So in the summertime, we can go through um, minnows a couple times a week. Now it's starting to cool off, and so we did have to move them inside, and so now maybe they're going to eat minnows once a week.
0: Alligators eat minnows, mm-hmm.
1: they're eating fish right now. I mean, the, they have quite a wide variety of diet, but at at this stage in their life, since they're young, they're primarily getting fish.
0: And I can't even imagine what the process is like. To hey, I heard you got some alligators. What are you mm-hmm. What are you willing to sell them for?
1: <laughs> Everyone always asks us money questions when we have exhibits, but we don't ever share no, those just, kind of things. But
0: I'm sure it's just a a world that I have no idea about? Like, how do you get in touch with an alligator it's, wrangler or alligator breeding farm? It's kind, of, farms
1: it's kind or... of like once you're in the network, you know, people in the network. So once you start meeting people who are managers at other zoos, then you start meeting more managers at other zoos or more breeders at certain locations. And, um, my husband actually got into it because he studied abroad in Australia and he needed to have an internship. Well, his background is in crops and livestock. What kind of job are you going to find in Sydney? A zoo. That was the only thing they could find for him that was a placement and he loved it and so he came home and within like 2 years I think he had himself his first wallaby. Was that? And then it went from there. <laughs> was it
0: was it yeah, was it a small snowball rolling type?
1: Kind of, yes. Or
0: was it like let's do let's get a zoo. Let's
1: It was kind of a small, like, rolling snowball but moving quickly down a hill (laughs) because it didn't take very long until you had lots of animals. A lot of them came since we were married, and we've been married seven years now.
0: So in the last
1: seven years, there have been a lot.
0: Does that take a, a lot of time to run? Um,
1: It depends on the season, and most of his exhibits are off-site. So we live on a farm, and all of our animals are on our farm sites. We have two sites, and we do work with other zoos, like the Minnesota Zoo does. Um, We do some leasing for animals for them, or if there are other zoos that have special exhibits, we've done bartering and trading or or raising, and then they use. So most of our animals are used in exhibit off-site. So so like another
0: zoo uses use, them. So like, it's just like a, a resting place for them. So kind like, of, or,
1: uh the Minnesota zoo doesn't have enough space to raise all of their animals that they put on special exhibits. So they just had kangaroo crossing these last two years. So those kangaroos aren't their kangaroos. They've come from another site. And so we had them use all of our Um, emu, they called us up and said, Hey, we don't have enough emu for our special exhibit and they need more space to run than what we have, but we can use them for a short time exhibit. Can we, um, use your emu? And so we're like, sure. Or next year they're getting some Rhea. They had all of our swans for a while.
2: What's
1: a Rhea? A Rhea is like, um, a small ostrich. It's a rat type, but it's white in color and has large wings. It's an omnivore.
0: Awesome. Mm-hmm. And yeah, did you know a lot about, ran- like, did you know a Do lot I know all these random, random animal facts?
1: facts before I was married? No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they, I'm sure they came but along. But I have
1: to, I have to study. Well, my husband studies them because I don't have time to study them. But does he
2: just pop he up studies like, hey, did them? you know? And that. yes,
1: he does. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's or what before, I would do. Or
1: before, we have interns that work for us. So we have four interns. We had four full-time and two part-time interns this summer. So as he goes through and he helps train them, he'll be like, "Gina, you need to sit down on this and you know, brush up on your facts a little bit so that when you get asked questions, you know osprey. what you're talking about." <laughs>
0: Here's the Osprey book. We'll see you yep. on Monday. Yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not quite like that, but
0: And I'm guessing it'll be
1: more like a car conversation like, "Did you know, Gina, this, 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 and this?" I'm like, "Oh, yeah, I should remember that."
0: And I'm sure you so you have a son. Mhm. And are you expecting, or are you, what, are you... We're waiting for the yeah. day when he,
1: when they're like, um, not everyone has to go home and feed the camels at night. Like, he doesn't understand that this isn't normal yet. <laughs>
0: right. And so I'm sure he'll get a lot of questions. Or he'll just become the Steve Irwin of Minnesota. Yeah, you know, maybe. Just this wild zoo-running kid. He,
1: so far, though, likes farm equipment more than animals. What, so. it,
0: what is that with... Is your boys. son is your He's son into, into what is he into? Monster trucks. Monster trucks. But it's not like I was I was never a monster truck guy or I'm not like, yeah. Hey, let's go to the Metrodome. Well, not mm. anymore, but you know, let's go watch some monster trucks. Never once. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the gigantic nature of them mm-hmm. that boys tend to just marvel over. He'll my yeah. son likes to look at tractors too. If it's mm-hmm. big and has wheels.
1: That's kinda what we're into. Yep, anything big in wheels. Does it matter that we have a camel in the backyard? Nope. It just matters that I have things with big wheels to play with in the living room. Look at
0: these <laughs> exotic animals from around the world. Yeah, yeah. no. I want the machine. Right. Made of steel.
1: But my husband has the menta- mentality, and I do too, If, like, if he's not into animals and he wants to do something we're not good at, that would be awesome. Like, we could use someone who's really good at mechanics or, you know, really good engineer or, you know, there's other things you can bring to the table.
0: I don't think it's, yeah, you don't want to force those things upon children. That always, that always turns out (laughs) bad. There's (laughs) always, there's like documentaries on that, you know, famous world leaders who were forced to do something and end up, Mm -hmm. you know, killing large populations of people. Good times. So let's talk more about teaching stuff, I guess. Sure. Um, I don't know what teaching ag is like. I just kind of, I just kind of jotted down a few mm-hmm. random things that I thought of. Mm-hmm. Um, philosophy of teaching, I put on there.
1: Oh, my favorite philosophy of teaching came from one of my teachers in college, Dr. Graham. He always said, "If you're not having fun, your kids aren't having fun." <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, it sounds sim- like simple, but that's it's very true. true.
0: But do you think? I mean, are there days where it's impossible to have fun or not? Yes.
1: I think today I gave a test and tomorrow my seniors are taking a test and they don't have the choice. I mean, I have to, they have a big nutrition test coming up in advanced animal science and it's like, I, you yeah, they have to do it. There's just some things in life you have to do and you have to realize it. But content wise, when you share that content, if you're not having fun and you're not finding fun ways to deliver it, it's Can not we... going to stick.
0: No. Yeah, I agree. I'm always trying to get someone to chuckle at something or mm-hmm. be excited about it. Because I, I think my topic is very exciting. I'm sure you mm-hmm. do too. I think about, think about your topic. But that's a good... So you let that drive basically everything is like, let's...
1: I think about it in the car on the way here in the morning. Like, like how can I make what, today fun? Yeah, what am I doing today that makes it a little more fun than... Otherwise, but sometimes fun for me, of course, is different than fun for kids <laughs> or other students. <laughs> I understand that my definition of fun and everyone's definition of fun is different. But there are some things that still everyone likes. Like I always keep a stash of Play-Doh in my cupboard so that, you know, we can build something when I need models. Or I keep a stash of... Um, you know, uh, colored pencils and markers, so you can do it all over the place. Or sidewalk chalk. I got a huge floor. I'm like, let's decorate this thing. Go show me what, you know, show me what a animal pen looks Wait, on your, like. In the and, floor of your yeah, room? I had That's I had them draw cool. out like big diagrams of housing, animal housing facilities on the floor. I'm like, go go try it out. Go show me what it is. So I I also like I like doing things with animals. So I always try and have something living.
0: Is it crazy that a school, maybe a school has this, but a, that a school would have a farm attached actually, to it? Actually,
1: Mr. Reeser did that. Him and his wife actually had a full farm that they bust kids to, and he taught from a farm. Um, the I, I don't know how the logistics worked with that or what his time schedule was like, but... I know the reason that it didn't stay is financially. I don't think it became feasible for the district. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people realize when I was first hired, Dr. Peterson didn't even want me to have a classroom. Like I was just supposed to be teaching out of a school bus.
0: Just like driving around uh, yes. different farms? and Yes.
1: And we had the Wi-Fi school bus. Oh, wow. And I had a very small classroom and I had access to the large Johnson Hall at Nicollet County Fairgrounds and that's what we had class in was the bus and the fairgrounds and I had to teach out of those spaces as I could and it was pretty crazy way to start but it was that was Dr. Peterson's idea was you shouldn't have class here you should have class somewhere else you should be experiencing agriculture on the farm in the field in the business and I found out that my students knew nothing. And they shouldn't have been expected to know anything anyway because they had never had any of these classes building up to it. So just taking time to teach them basic terminology and basic skill sets before we got to those places took so much time that I needed to have classroom time before we could go out and do things in those other settings.
0: And I think that, like if, If we were to have some sort of system, like a farm attached to the school somehow, Mm -hmm. it would give, and let's say, let's say it was a farm attached to the school and there was some sort of requirement that you had to be involved in one of those courses Mm -hmm. and you had to do the jobs of feeding the animals or, Mm -hmm. you know, planting the crops or combining or doing some sort of demanding work that would be amazing and I'm sure it would it would cause great distress among kids and they wouldn't want to do it. But I feel like every time you talk to an older teacher or even current teachers they often look back on those experiences if they went through them that were difficult with with great appreciation and they, they often um what am I trying to say? They often Credit those specific experiences for making them who they are. Yeah. I think that'd be soup That would be so cool to have. And I think I try I, to do that with taking kids to like clear buck the line.
1: Yeah, you do but, good things.
0: Um, because it's difficult. It's not fun. And it, I mean, it's fun twenty years from now, maybe, as you look mm-hmm. back and you think, remember that time we clear. But all I want it to
1: be fun now too. I want to. I, you know, I try to bring those farm experiences into class. And um, I want students, you know, I, th- I think it can be hard. I can think back just this semester when we learned about making feed rations for animals. And then on the next day I brought in brought in all the feed and I said, okay, it's your turn. Go do it. And they're like, whoa, like I have to do this. I have to mix, figure out how I'm going to mix these ingredients together to make a meal for my chicken and it has to be a perfect meal because they have to stay alive and live the next couple of days and hopefully even longer than that. And I hope that challenge also equates sometimes to interest and fun. And
0: keeping a chicken alive sounds pretty fun to me.
1: (laughs) I don't know. Some people might not think so, but um, I think
0: if you put a chicken in front of them and like say, I like, have, this is your chicken. I have chicken. kids that
1: are afraid to, to touch chickens, and I have kids that are like, oh, I want to put this in front of me while I take my test today. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, it's hanging in its cage today. But um, I don't know. I just I, I, don't want people to come and think about, oh, I I just have chores to do all the time. Right. I, I want to equate that with learning and But I think enjoyment,
0: even if it is... Difficult, maybe I don't know. How do you? So that's a good point. That's a fair (laughs) point. I wouldn't like. I don't think you're gonna grow. Yeah, you probably wouldn't grow a program if you're just like, all right, we're just gonna lift heavy stuff. and walk in. You know. Yeah. Pig feces all day. Um. Yeah, but I
2: I feel like I think
1: just the I think it just comes back to understanding that you can have a role in that circle of life, like. Seeing that you can make something grow and use it the way it's supposed to be used should bring satisfaction, and being a part of that I think can be exciting. And getting students to be a part of that can be exciting.
2: Yeah,
0: and do you do you ever see kids who aren't connected to it in any way, and then by the end of the All class the time. are super into it?
1: Maybe not super into it, but have a more appreciation for it. I would say yes. Have I would you say a, a lot?
0: Have you what converted any?
1: Ye- yes, one of my like f- vegan my or something. Fir- no, I don't. I I'm not i am not going to say I've <laughs> convert, like, <laughs> like converted. I converted anybody not, who's against no, farming no. or um, like that.
0: I I didn't mean it. Yeah. I
1: I think um, I, I mean I've seen students who are non-egg students that go through and take animal science degrees. I've seen a couple of those or go into um, areas of agriculture I didn't think they would go into. So every once in a while, Mrs. Secorto will stop me and said, hey, do you know so-and-so is going into this field? You should go check on them. And I'm like, oh, sure. So, um, so, yeah, it does happen sometimes. And my biggest thing is I just want them to be appreciative of what that process is, but more so aware of there are so many jobs available. There's just a huge wealth of resources for people who want to work in agriculture.
0: Yeah. It's, there are so many fields that are just in the next
1: so many Not just agriculture, but
0: I don't know what, it's going to be amazing or not amazing. It's going to kind of be nerve wracking to see what happens, Mm -hmm. especially, especially with all of the the construction trades, Mm -hmm. you know, plumbing, electrical.
1: Well, even in the teaching, teaching areas, like there are not enough egg teachers and there's only one state in the whole nation that has teachers or has enough ag teachers. And I know science teachers are always a big one, construction teachers, like any, there's so many of them.
0: Yeah. And I don't, it's too bad because we, we all, we obviously see that problem, but when it comes to changing policies or creating incentives, Government is always reacting. They're never looking ahead saying, oh, that's going to be a problem down the road. Let's deal mm-hmm. with it now. They're always waiting for it to happen, and then when it blows up, they try and tape it back together.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's, I don't know if... Do you think they will <laughs> magically be proactive this time? I don't think they I will. It's going to probably be a disaster.
1: I think that's why it's important to be part of organizations that are proactive. So, like, I'm part of... um our state and national teacher associations for ag educators, and we do have campaigns. We have a teach ag campaign that it gives teachers the tools to say, hey, if you see a kid that you think should go into this field, this is how you should help address it. So I just think being a part of those groups that already see that bombshell coming of, hey, we really need you, they can see it ahead of time, and they do have some some tools out there. And our, our group even has campaign days where they're like, this is teach ag day. This is your day to make sure you promote animal health, or this is your, whatever it may be.
0: So what can, is there anything teach like random content area teachers can do to improve ag literacy or ag vocabulary, or I don't know, just interest in agriculture? Because I, I, I think completely it would just agree. be
1: recognizing it when you teach it. There are so many teachers that like yourself that have units where you have some indirect connection and just saying, you know, we do have programs like that, or there there are career fields. I don't think it has to be a major lesson. It doesn't have to be a significant I don't know, a significant push in one way or another. I think it's just recognizing that. Hey, we do teach it, and there is overlap. I think that's a good place to start.
0: Yeah, and it, it has impact on lots mm-hmm. of areas.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's good. Changes, Changes to education. What if there were a camera for your own use in your mm-hmm. own room, and you recorded yourself, and you had to maybe you're required to watch a certain amount of your lessons and
2: mm-hmm.
0: take notes on what you could be better at? Wouldn't that be kind of Mm-hmm. Game-changing, I think it would. It sure could be. What so? What so? That's my one random change for the sure. day. What What New do you think? New form of assessment. Yeah. What do for you think? Teachers. What do you think would be a good change a for the world of education? Could be ag education. Education. Could be anything related to education or school.
1: I, I don't know if this is this isn't a big change. I just I think we need to keep pushing students more towards career opportunities. A lot of times I think we get caught up in the college mindset of what are you doing next? Where are you going next? Is it going to be a two-year? Is it a four-year? Are you getting a certificate? Are you going to apprenticeship? Like what's coming next? And I think instead we have to keep like even you and I have college t-shirts on today. (laughs) So but I think we need to start thinking about what is here for a job. And what are those jobs and how can we get kids connected with those jobs and once we figure out what those jobs are then can we rewind and figure out okay what should be their next step and I think we're doing that some of it here I know that's what they're trying with Naviance but I think as a culture in our mindset it's always like oh my mom and dad went to River Falls we should go to River Falls or Um, Gustavus is a beautiful campus and right here in St. Peter and it's got so many resources I should go to Gustavus but then we don't think about well what am I going to do when I get there and then what is that degree going to be good for for when I get there or and I I guess I would like us to get rid of the the college mindset and think more about practical use and what that end point looks like
0: Okay, and also Have students cultivate their interests a little more.
1: Right, more cultivation of interest is a great agricultural term. Ah, There, yeah, you like how I did that. (laughs) I just,
0: I just talked about that yesterday because I don't. If I look back on my schooling, there wasn't opportunity. I mean, I wasn't motivated enough to go out and start a podcast as a high schooler. Mm -hmm. Um, And there probably are high schoolers that are, but I wasn't, and I didn't cultivate my interests, and I didn't. And I don't know that
1: I did that I did either. I never thought about wanting to be a teacher when I was in, in high school. I think if I was in high school, I think I remember saying, hey, if I was going to teach, I'd want to teach math, just because math was easy for me at that time. And I wouldn't want to teach math now, other than in the ways I have to teach math. But, um, yeah, I think if we had more time exploring a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of all of these different career areas, I think it would be really beneficial.
0: So what I agree and I think in order to do that you'd have to basically destroy whatever education system system, we have right now because I was asking my students today about how cool it would be instead of requiring them to take all these social studies classes to give them a list and say you choose what what do you want out of this pick like three out of eight. That's
1: a cool idea.
0: Um, And those will count as your social studies credits. But it's not, Mm -hmm. that doesn't work in the system that we have because you're required to to do this and you have to, the the state wants you to know this, but Mm -hmm. the reality that you're actually going to know that is not realistic. And things like agricultural education aren't on the required list. Mm -hmm. And it's just a system that doesn't allow for a lot of exploration, I don't think.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I think that would be one gigantic change.
1: And I think there are lots of areas that are missed in, in an education system. And some of those areas are like, for instance, we don't have any natural resources programming here. We do have environmental science, but environmental science is different than natural resources. Um, and there are a couple of other program areas that we just don't have the facilities or the, the personnel to be able to cover to cover all of those things.
0: Yeah. That's one I often hear is just, there's no money for mm-hmm. that to add a million extra courses or add.
1: And that's all rational too. But yeah, you I think. Prob-
0: yeah. There's probably a better way to, or a more exploratory way to do it. Even with teachers, imagine, so let's say I'm a, I'm a social studies teacher, which allows me to teach a ton of different topics. But let's say, hey, I want to get involved in Ag education, and I maybe want to mm-hmm. teach that, or I want to teach something about natural resources. Mm-hmm. There should be maybe options for teachers to easily explore and get licensed to teach that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and then open that opportunity up for kids to go explore.
2: Yep.
0: I mean, what? imagine what that world would look like. Instead of kids figuring out, you know, bumbling through college and figuring out what they want they would probably be on track faster and be better at what they do because they've had more time doing it.
1: Yeah. Yep. So I don't know what the magic is and I don't know how our time schedules all work for that and everyone still needs to have all their core content, but.
0: Yeah, it, it probably I, doesn't work. It because probably doesn't. You yeah. have to. Maybe
1: that's what we need college for, but. Right or your two-year schools for, but... Can always dream I, that yeah. they're, you know... That would be my dream, is that we could have more ways of interacting with some of those career technical skills.
0: Yeah, I don't... Like this, I don't... There was no option mm-hmm. at Recory High School you, you for audio recording. You know what's really recording.
1: silly is my program initially had students coming from St. Clair, Cleveland, and LeSueur-Henderson, and back when Nicollet didn't have a teacher, they would come to me. But Mankato is a huge agricultural hub. They Mm -hmm. have CHS, they have ADM, they have Hubbard Mills, they've got numerous other huge agribusiness companies right in the middle. I am the closest, and I guess blue earth, and a couple others, but there is no agricultural education in Mankato. Weird. Whatsoever. There's a
0: void there. Or
1: like LeSueur, home of the green giant. (laughs) You know, they've got... A big cheese factory on one end and Christmas tree farm on the other end. And I mean, like their bank is an agricultural bank, and yet they don't have agriculture education in their school district. So, and numerous other towns we could say that for. And
0: then they wonder why why no one's being a farmer. Yeah,
1: why is no one coming back to the jobs that are here in the Midwest? And it just...
0: I think we've found a clue. We found a clue. Great. So the last thing, I guess... Right? it's we've been here for like an hour. Um, does it feel like it's been an hour? I
1: don't know. I wanted a clock in here like, so I can nah, see what... No, no clock in happening. here. <laughs> um, Look, I don't know what
0: time it is. What, it's 3... How long have I been It's 4.07. Talking? Okay. Yeah, probably like an hour, I feel. Okay, that's fine. That's pretty normal. Um, I like to end on, or try to end on it usually... Advice? It usually, yeah, it usually veers off into something else. But what, what advice would you give or want... Everyone to keep forever and and apply to their life.
1: Everyone or high school students? High school students. Okay, that's what I thought. High school students. Yeah. So I want high school students to, I'm going to make it twofold. Okay. Okay. So first of all, realize that's more, there's more to life than just high school. Because I see a lot of kids get so overwhelmed with fitting in the right group. And, um, just high school in general can be very overwhelming and your schedules and figuring out life and um, I want them to realize there's more out there and you know it's only part of your life there's more to come there's more exciting things to come but at the same time make the most of your time here so whether that's joining an organization or being part of music just make the most of your time here and make the most of the relationships that you can have here I see so many students that just stay with the same people all the time and they don't get to know other people that are outside of their group. Um, In lots of my classes I don't have assigned seats but everyone sits in the same seat anyway. It doesn't matter if you have assigned seats or not they just come in and sit in the same spot and when someone else comes and sits in their chair they get upset. I'm like it's not your chair there's no assigned seats here go sit by someone else and meet someone new and that idea for high school I think is really hard to branch out, make some friends beyond your little circle and, but also realize when you get done with high school, there's a lot more that's coming for you. And just to be aware that it's just part of your life and there's more coming.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I don't know what it is, but time feels as at least as I remember it, time felt slower
2: mm-hmm. when
0: I was in high school. It, it did. It almost felt like it was not going to end. Mm -hmm. And that was disconcerting to me. I did not, I wanted it to end.
1: (laughs) I just, I think if some of my seniors are so stressed out about a next test and I'm like, it's one test. Just relax.
0: Remember that we're flying through space at millions of miles an hour.
1: Yes. And there's way
0: more to come.
1: And yet getting to know the person across the table might be more valuable than what your score is on that next test.
0: And maybe it's, I mean, just think about your own high school experience. I can think of mine. How many high school classmates do you still
1: Not talk as many to? as I wish I did.
0: Not as many as you probably said you would when exactly. you graduated right. high school. We're going to be friends forever. Yahoo! Mm-hmm. You're my best friend. I'll love you forever. Yeah.
1: But i I do get jealous of those people who do have really good, strong networks back home. That even though... I don't have as many close friends back home anymore. Um, not that they live back home, but a network. But my FFA network of friends is huge, and I have lots of those that we still keep in contact and get together.
0: Yeah, and I think you're you're onto something with the fact that kids, they just they, like you said they, they like to stay in their same group and. Once they're in a group, they like to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of my experience. I didn't like half the stuff I was involved in. And if, I, if someone had like slapped me across the face and said, like, wake up, cultivate your interests. Mm-hmm. Go do something you like to do and mm-hmm. stop doing something you are, is miserable to you. Yep. You know, like football. I never wanted to... I was on the football team, but I really could have cared less about football, you know? And mm-hmm. I played it for f- all four years of high school. And nobody told me, like you know, you don't have to do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But as a high schooler, I was just so
1: yeah uh, wrapped I think up. Kids should just be willing to want to try something new while they're here, because that's what all of our extracurriculars and intracurriculars and also what they're for. Try them out, and,
0: and if, get you don't, into... if you
1: don't like them, then don't keep doing them. Yeah, and then if you if you do, awesome.
0: And try something in egg. There you go. Yeah, come on down. Check out a sow. Mm-hmm. Great. Yep.
1: Come see my room. It's open almost all the time.
0: Any animals right now?
1: Yes. The pig is in, the sow is in, but I don't know for how much longer she was supposed to give birth and mother nature's just taken a long time. So when is the, And MEA is coming oh, and no. so I don't, I think we're going to send her home,
0: not going to induce her. They don't do that in animal No, I'm not going to induce her. <laughs> that would be, yeah, probably cruel to a, yeah. Gina Lilienthal, Mm -hmm. thank you for being here with me. You're welcome. I've appreciated this. Thanks
1: for having me. It's been good. It's been an honor.
0: Thank you. (laughs) And there you have it. Some great advice from a great ag science educator. Get out there, people. Do new things. Meet new people. My experience in our school play here is a perfect example of that. That is an area that I should have totally tried out when I was in high school, but I didn't get to do that because of my inability to be uncomfortable. So try and put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. You'll learn from it. If you'd like to reach out and ask me any questions or give me suggestions of topics to talk about or suggestions of guests or you'd like to be on the program, Don't hesitate to email me at Clark at gmail.com. Also, if you feel the urge to speed up my production of these podcasts, go ahead and donate on my website. You can find the link for donating, and that can be found at danielevanclark.wixsite.com forward slash I am teacher. I have a feeling if the money starts rolling in, I might be more likely to Get these things out on time. Also, if you'd like to catch up on any previous episodes, that's the place for you. I think listening to the podcast on iTunes is probably the best way to go. I know I post this through the Anchor app, but my mom tells me it's hard to move forward using that. So iTunes and the podcast app is probably the way to go. It allows you to skip around, move forward, move backwards, and that's how I listen to all of my podcasts. So find that on the podcast app and go ahead give it a rating and if you please a nice review those are greatly appreciated it gets that podcast out in the world some more and it spreads the word one last request i have for listeners is to send me any kind of artwork you may have that you don't want to keep around or you want a gift to me instead I'm looking to decorate this recording studio with student works of art to give, our, to give our guest something to ponder while we're conversing and also to make this place look amazing. And I know the talent that's out there and the talent that these students possess is amazing, and I would love to celebrate that here in this recording studio. Thank you for listening once again, and we'll see you next time here on I Am Teacher.